SheQuest Podcast is the home of heart-opening dialogues, stories, and experiences for self-identified women on SheQuest. Season 5 is now bilingual as I welcome co-host Nadia Bonafa. Hey, Nadia! <laughs> hey, Estelle. Delighted to be part of SheQuest Podcast Forward Movement to Live Aware, Bold, and Whole. Let's do this! Woohoo! Hi, SheQuest, and welcome to SheQuest Podcast. My name is Estelle Thompson, and welcome to the show. And today, I really have, I always say this every week, but I feel this week is extra special, extra special. You're meeting my makeup artist. That is right. <laughs> uh, I met Brandy at, well, I make my mall. We have, I mean, we do have a few connection outside of that. Um, but Brandy does my makeup and she's darn good at it. And I've been secretly, not so secretly, wanted you to come on the show and and share your story. I want to know more about you, uh, Brandy, and just about just everything. And I'm just so just so grateful that you just wanted to share that with us. Um, on the show here at Chiquas, I have a bit of a staple question I ask all my guests. And the first question is, what makes you feel alive today? Uh, I think today is family. It feels really good. Everyone's kind of just working on their own little thing at home and and it feels it feels really nice. Can you just tell us about yourself? Uh, a lot of this podcast, this conversation on grief and you know inclusion and trauma and I I'd love to go in the trenches with you, uh, so to speak. Um, talking about how sexuality is, is fluid and just kind of just widening our lens really on you know all of that in terms of identity I guess and personal growth but also like I'm really fascinated about your craft because you're so good at it <laughs> and I want to talk about like what, what lights you up and like your passion and I don't even know I was thinking like and in the email that I sent you I was like I don't even know if that's your real passion. Maybe you have other passions, but I just, because I just know you in that kind of realm. But, um, but I'd love to talk about creativity with you and perhaps even in a way that maybe it's helped you in your path. But yeah, so, and here at, at SheQuest, we call it my she story. So just tell us about yourself. <laughs> I Well, geez, where do I start? Do you have your combat boots on? <laughs> I... Uh... I think, well, for me, like, where did I start? I'd say, like, I'm 30 years old. And since I was about 16, I started exploring, uh, like, gender fluidity. And that would have been, like, the basis of when my transition would have started to happen. And so I would say from the ages of about 18 to 25, I was living as a trans woman. And then slowly, as I kind of got into my later 20s, I realized that just like something wasn't connecting. It didn't feel like I was living authentically. From that journey, (laughs) I thought about a lot of stuff. I think I was really projecting my femininity in a way that society wanted to see it. When I started looking at all of the, you know, materialisms that I would dress my ego in as armor to feel comfortable and 
accepted in our society, I didn't really need to, to do that, to be accepted because I can accept myself how I come. What do you think? Like, I'm just curious, like, it was there like a moment where I'm always so fascinated about that, like, like thinking about your calling or whatever. And was there like a moment where you're like, oh my goodness, like, this is not, this is not authentic to me. This is the projection. I'm trying to think if there was an actual moment where everything just clicked. I think it really started like clicking. I mean, I don't want to sound too typical, but during the first lockdown, like we couldn't really go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. So I had no need to, to do my hair and to do my makeup and to, I mean, not that I didn't look not presentable, <laughs> but there was no need for me to, to, to push myself like that. And, and I don't mean in, in a lazy way, but in a way of like, wow, was I really doing that for myself all these years? Oh, I love that so much, Brandon. <laughs> no, I love this conversation so, so much. And I think it's one that comes back just like for who, like, who am I doing this for? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's quite recent then. Like, I would say like, really, I guess it's recent since I've actually had like the words to put it in and then also have the path that I kind of need to go down. To, to, to nurture that part of myself that I may have neglected over the years. Do you mind taking me back? Like, I'd love to know uh, one of the questions I sent you, and I, I want to go back to the pandemic because I, I'm just so interested about that. Be, um, like, take me back to when, like, you were eight and perhaps, like, more, um, not, I don't want to say official transition, but, like, when you, like, really started... In reality, it's it's what would have been. It could have just been another like layer of my identity or our identity. Yes. And I feel like we should be allowed to explore that in a way without it being like black and white. That someone can explore something for a couple of years and realize, you know what? Ah, maybe that that wasn't the best for me. It's still keeping us in touch with ourselves. That we're always us. There's just factors that may change our thought pattern. So at least when I was like younger, like I would say from like a very little age, like I was just attracted to like the materialisms of like femininity. <laughs> like I had no desire to like, you know, be rough with the boys or like do anything like that. Like if anything, I wanted to like, you know, sneak into my mother's bathing suit drawer and put on her like purple velvet bathing suit and then walk along the street with it because I just felt like a million bucks. From there, you know, as I got older, that part of me got repressed because, you know, when you're you're eight and you're younger than that, there's no, you have no anxiety. You don't really have this huge, at least I didn't, this huge, you know, what I was doing was wrong or what I was doing wasn't the like, quote unquote, norm, because this would have been in like 1998 now. And when I started to question my sexuality, when I would have been 15 public like at least vocally to my parents and stuff that's what it been what I would have come out as like gay because even then we didn't have the the information and the knowledge that you know if like being you know transitioning back then it wasn't really normal in the sense that it was kind of like oh you're a female or you're a drag queen it was never you're a woman so it slowly progressed from there after I was living my authentic 
reality of saying that I like the same sex that I kind of got to explore a little bit of makeup. And I kind of like that. And then I got to explore, you know, maybe a girl shirt. And I'm like, wow, these girls t-shirts fit me a lot better than these boy t-shirts ever fit me. And that kind of developed to a skirt, to flats, to dresses, to more makeup, to kind of creating this like alter ego that has, you know, become who I am, Brandy. You know, from there, I think it's kind of the opposite is happening is now I'm Brandy, but I'm going back and I'm nurturing Ben. That feels so long ago. Like, mm. or, or, or is it the, the opposite? How, how is time for you in that way? Like, just now, like, <laughs> even, and I hear you say too, like, just how, even just like in the past, like since the pandemic, like, like how we can now put words to things that didn't used to have words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost like making the emotional physical. Yeah. Like, I just love like your way, like the little snippet of, you know, bio, I love so much, like the detransitioning, like transitioning. And now you feel yourself almost detransitioning. Yeah. And I feel like that's like, that's kind of the thing that I feel like within, like when I say the word, like, that's why I kind of put like brackets around it. Cause I was like detransitioning question mark ish <laughs> because I, <laughs> I feel like I don't want to go back to, you know, who I was assigned at birth to, but in the sense that I kind of feel like I think saying that I'm in a transitional period in my life doesn't feel correct. Like, I feel like right now, like I'm evolving Mm -hmm. and that I'm taking like all of the things that like nurtured me um, as a woman and literally gave me strength and, and fed me and gave me the power to kind of like live my life how I wanted to live it. But then through all of that, I've kind of been open to like, you know, the, the male gaze and how hard I've repressed any ounce of masculinity that I had. If it's my voice being too deep or my shoulders being too broad or like, oh my God, I have no hips and I'm, I'm flat chested. They're, they're going to know. And that's when it really kind of started to click for me that I was like, why am I feeling so controlled to, you know, project this, this feminine energy um, when in reality, it, it it doesn't need to be so black and white. And that's when I was kind of like, I feel like me, like owning my identity is like that right now. Like, what am I? I'm not too sure. Like me, I think I'm gender fluid. And like, who knows? I might, I might jump back on the wagon and, and, you know, and push forward with an, like a, a transition again. But for, for the moment, I just feel kind of content on how I first started my like gender journey which was just the material of it like it's almost finding who we are beyond some beyond like the external world you know like (laughs) like totally you know like what if like in what if there was like not the voices of your parents in your head or not the voices of whose voice would it be, you know, and what would you do if, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) if you were like, if Brandy were to live like on like a deserted island, like, (laughs) (laughs) how would Brandy live? (laughs) But, and to bring, yeah, how, 
How would she live? I'd probably be pretty weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like most people, oh my God, I asked, this is like Jenna Randa, but this weekend um, I asked my husband, I said, um, what if you were to live on a deserted island, what, uh, which one of our friends would you bring? Like, not me, like not, you know, the spouse or whatever. And he said, I wouldn't bring anybody. <laughs> and then I started questioning like the state of our social circle. I was like, <laughs> but I think that that also speaks to that. We only really need ourselves yeah. to get by and then we can welcome support. But I'm like, there's a reality in that too. I'd probably want to be alone. <laughs> I feel that's true. I mean, personally, Estelle, like true, almost like maturity, like really passing this, the teenage stage. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. just, and to go back to, cause like, even though like the material is huge for me, like too, like when I think of like the way we express ourselves through clothes and through hair and through makeup and through like just how much expression that we can portray is not the right word, but do you know, like it's a huge part of my creativity, you know, to express, you know? And so how, like, how is, is that part for you now? Yeah. I think like for, for me now, cause I also think it's, you know, we're always told, you know, materialism is bad, you know, don't do this, don't do that, but it is so important. Yeah. And it's an important way to, like you said, express yourself. And so I feel like now I don't feel like as, as limited and like, let's say if I needed to buy a pair of men's jeans that fit me better, <laughs> I don't feel shame in that. And if I want to wear something that I think feels sexy, if it's sexy to me, I don't care if it's sexy to you. And kind of taking away what we would view as this, this is what's hot and this is what's sexy. Like, I, I don't need to be that to express myself and be sexy and fun and confident. Like, I just, there's so much freedom in that. And I think that's like this, like, general, and I feel like, we're experiencing this like as a whole that there's like this that there is an awakening going on within society like is it happening fast enough maybe not but but there is and I feel like everyone is slowly realizing that freedom is totally accessible in expression I couldn't like I'm someone I've never been in a relationship so I'm someone that like you know really enjoyed casual dating and you know maybe having one or two or three multiple lovers you know <laughs> and so when that kind of stopped and then we couldn't really do anything we were kind of confined to our own space it's kind of like oh well how do I make this space healthier for me like what can I do with myself to to better my life and it kind of started with my hair that I, you know, I'm sure you remember, I had like really long, beautiful hair that I would relax and blow dry. Oh, I would get it done every week. And when the pandemic happened, that stopped. So instantly, I almost felt this shame because my curly hair started coming back. I was like, I look like a monster. Ooh, I'm so undesirable. When in reality, I was just literally going back to my natural self and I didn't want to because I had spent so long like repressing that to be the woman 
that men desired, to be the woman that society desired, um, and to almost like flex, if that makes sense. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but in a sense of like, I'm, I'm going to prove everyone wrong and look how good I can do it. That it almost became, it was armor in the beginning and then and it became ego. And when it became ego, it wasn't good anymore. And so when the pandemic happened and everything got taken away from me, or at least my, like my tools as to be the woman that I wanted to be got taken away, I kind of had to, to sit with myself. And then I had uh, a pretty like uh, intense uh, psilocybin moment <laughs> near the end of the last pandemic. And it kind of just took away a lot of things that I was holding on to like fears and, you know, offhanded things that people have said to me in the past and that it just, it didn't really matter anymore. And then I was like, you know what? I was like, I need to to cut all my hair off. I want to let my curls come back in. I want to read about my spirit. I want to read about my body. I want to feed myself healthy relationships with people that want to be with me for more than just who I was in a community that is very often fetishized. And that I'm entitled to that. So when everything kind of opened back up again, it was like, okay, so now I need to put all this work into practice. So I've kind of had a a year now to really kind of delve into like my most authentic self and to nurture the masculine energies that I like, you know, really, really, really put down and was not nice to myself about. I just, I want to talk about that repression, like, but I also want to talk about, like you said, you mentioned you had a really low point, like, right before, like, every, kind of things opened up again. Um, but then, like, can you talk to us, like, about that? Like, I just, and if you, if you don't want to, please don't, um, but I'm just wondering almost like how it's almost like you had to learn to just own all of the maybe like, you know, repressed emotion and you just own that. And then it was almost kind of like walking with it, but like in a, in a more free way. Does that even make sense what I'm saying? Totally. And I think it was like, like when things started opening up, it was, it was kind of, I was scared because now even though such a short time had passed and I haven't really feel like I've changed at the core. I'm just more aware of myself, but it was kind of, there was the fear of a not being like, not so much that I wasn't going to be accepted, but in the sense of, Oh my God, is it going to look like I'm starting a transition? And that is an awful thing to say, but I think any woman that has experienced that knows that, you know, getting, your footing as to be the woman you want to be can be an awkward time. And I was so nervous of the judgment that I would receive in potentially giving off that energy, which is a nasty thought to have. And then it went to, you know, all of the, the partners that I had like, Oh my God, well, now that I'm not trying to be this little sex pot, like, are, are they going to be interested in me if I don't shave my legs? Are they going to pursue me if I'm not, you know, portraying this 
heavy wave of femininity anymore? Like, will my love life become harder now that I'm even more in a gray area? And so it was really more challenging, I think, from a romantic standpoint than it was from anything because I spent so long trying to be that, you know, like the apple of the male gaze's eye. And so it was really, really, really hard for me to put the pieces back together to be like, then if they they don't like that, then that's fine. Because you like that. And you liking that is enough. And that it's okay to to say no. It's Because I had a hard time saying that before. Yeah, and it's so huge too. Like, almost like, what does Brandy like anyways? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, because it's that's a hard question, right? Like, outside of your typical music movies and walks, you know? Like, what does Brandy like? Yeah. What does Estelle like, you know? What does our neighbor two hosts down like? So it's just kind of, it's, and it's been, it's been slow and I'm letting myself make mistakes and letting myself feel, but I'm being forgiving. I just had a conversation. I was just mentioning the same thing, uh, but about trauma and how forgiveness is such a huge piece, you know, in the recovery cycle, you know, it's almost like <laughs> the piece of the pizza <laughs> that's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, you know, the big, and like, like really almost like, like forgive, like all the men who's, who have looked at you and, you know, all everything that's, but, but also like forgive ourselves, you know, in that forgive ourselves and like believing them almost, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's just it, right? It's easy to say, I forgive you, but it's it's hard to mean it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to tell you a little story, and I, I bet you, so you see this all the time, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, just in your work environment. And, and I want to go back to the fetish, because that, that's really interesting to me. And it's something that I we don't talk about on the podcast enough, Um but the mail gets and all that. Um, I was in a clothing store, I uh, forget, years ago. I've I've had, like, I, I keep questioning myself, like, you know, I love to put makeup, as you know. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I, love, I know, I love makeup. I love beautiful clothes. You know, it's like a huge part of, I don't know, my identity, I guess. And, you know, in the way, like, for me, it's, it's art, you know, it's all art. And, uh, but anyways, I was at this clothing store and this, this woman comes out and you know, when you're shopping alone, like it's kind of like, you're like in your own little bubble and you kind of need, oh, totally. like, yeah, you gotta need some validation. So, and I was there by myself anyway. So the, the woman comes out and like, you know, her shoulders are down and, and she looks at me and, you know, and she says, do you think I can pull this off? And it was just a moment in my life where like, I looked at her and I said, do you want to pull this off? <laughs> and I wonder and it was such like I still think about that moment like because I could use my own advice you know like yeah right yeah yeah, and I often like now like if I'm you know talking whatever like do I want to pull this off like is nothing else like who cares about anybody else but me like do I want to be wearing this like is it do you know what I mean like is it 
true to my own thing. But then the other thing she said, and I want to like, I want your thought on this, but she said, but what about the male gaze? You know, and like, I, I have so much compassion about this. Like I'm not just judgment or at all. And I, I was like, oh my God, like I, like it's, it's something I don't, maybe because I've been married for too long. <laughs> <laughs> my husband just doesn't fucking care what I wear um (laughs) but like do you know what I mean like I have it's like oh it's something like like if you're dating or whatever like it's really something that that you're aware of you know can you yeah is is it something like when I tell this story is it something that like lands with you or oh well like well totally right well it's just like you need to wear what makes you happy and expression that is if it's sexy to her then it's sexy and if she's like, oh, I want to pull this off, well, then pull it off. And, like, I think, especially, like, with the male gaze, that we live in a society now where it's almost impossible to not get away from it. But we can do things to, like, you know, heighten our awareness of it. And that's, like, you know, taking away a lot of societal things that are normalized for women that aren't for men that's like a really quick and easy way for me to kind of see things. Cause it's all the things that, you know, men really push for, for women. And that now it's stayed so long in our, like, you know, ancestry that it's become normalized and like, you know, not frowned, frowned against isn't the right word, but just that we've become so used to that, that system of it. And the the sex appeal of it that we're all uh, we're all kind of not a slave to the system, but we're all living in it. But it's like up to you know guys like us that are building stronger foundations in ourselves to project the energy that we feel inside. And you were I love the the story with your hair because I I find you know not just in. You know, like all our cultural background, but in so many cultural background, you know, your hair is such an identity piece, you know? Oh, it's, it's, it, well, it's like the, the biggest shield you could have. Yes, a shield, like such an armor. Like, I, I don't know if you remember when I had like really short hair. Yeah, you had a little bob at one point, I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember. I remember when you had long, like straight hair. Yeah. Yeah. And you would wear the ponytail, you know? Yeah. And it was white is something. And then when I saw you two weeks ago, like I saw you, I was like, oh my God. Like I loved your, I love your curly hair, but it's so natural. Like, (laughs) like it's so, well, I'm not, and I'm not just saying that, but I was like, wow. But like, there's definitely like something more. Um, But I, like how, I guess my question is like, how do you feel now? Like how do you think about like? <laughs> I had a really good conversation with a friend last night that I was like, I just need to like, I need to remind myself to slow down because I go so fast that I end up having to take a little U-turn and go back because I miss something. And I feel like, you know, half of me likes to go fast just because I'm also, you know, an, an adult with ADHD. So like try and stop me. It's, it's happened quick. But it also, it's happened right. 
like I feel like at least in the, the physical part of, of my journey with my hair, like it felt right. And that really came down to, I just didn't feel like a woman anymore unless my hair was straightened. And because otherwise, I, you know, it was relaxing it. I was straightening it all the time. My curls were limp. It just kind of looked like a giant cotton ball. Not to say that cotton ball hair isn't beautiful, but for, for me at that point in my life, it was triggering for me to not look perfect. And when I went through that kind of really heavy experiencing of releasing a lot of stuff and realizing that I needed to bring my child forward in the sense of like, I need to start living my life for them. And if I saw myself on the street when I was 13, would I look over and be like, wow, they're cool. And it kind of went back to like my favorite movie when I was younger, which was like Alien and Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. And I was just sitting at a fire and I was like, you know what? I was like, I just need to be that heroine. I just need to cut off all my hair and have her haircut. And that's going to feel good because if I'm having problems kind of disassociating, I can remind myself the strong bitch that I am. I love this so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's so powerful. Like everything you're saying is so deep. Um, and I, I want to do one last little parenthesis here because just speaking of our hair journey, um, and you can tell me for you, it's a completely different, but like for me, when I chopped off all my hair, like I was really deep in, in grief, you know, I was really deep. I, I, I mean, I want to call it a transition, but I love that you've really wind my lens on that word transition because I think I use it too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I'm gonna have to sit on that one but um and and it was almost like the symbolism for me to cut my hair like I had really realized just how much I was hiding like behind my hair and yeah. Both, like yeah and both like fit like literally like physically hiding my body with my hair and also like hiding my round face and psychologically like and energetically like it was almost like my hair had its hold on me. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand that. And it's heavy to carry. Yes. Uh, yes. And, you know, I cut it. And it was such freedom. And it was just like, like, kind of like, oh, it's still me. Like, I'm still. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and then I had this whole love story with my short hair. I was like, oh, I was a short hair person. I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also, also, I, I, w- I want to hear more about you, but also I was fascinated by the reaction of people when I cut my hair, because a lot of people were like, oh, but I thought you're like a long hair girl, you know, like, it's like, uh, well, I might allow, and then I would be like, oh, no, I'm going to have short hair, like all my life. And now you see me, I, I have long hair now. And like, it's funny the reaction of people and how much it affects us too. And it's like, no, but I have the permission to do whatever the fuck I want. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can enjoy it or you can keep your mouth shut, you know? <laughs> and it's almost like people put you in a box, you know? It's like, oh, she's like, and that's like, feels secure, like for them somehow, you know? Um, so I, I want to know, like, it was it like when you did cut your hair, how was that moment? Well, when I cut it, I was terrified because I'm like, 
my entire life, I've always wanted bangs. <laughs> and my hairdressers always said, like, curly-haired people cannot have bangs. <laughs> You'll never have bangs. Your, your hair is too curly. <laughs> so, exactly. so who said that? And why? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, they're all liars. And so when I, when I was doing it, my biggest, my biggest fear was, oh, my God, I'm going to look like a boy. In the sense of, like, I didn't want to look like I was trying to detransition because it wasn't the reality. But I was kind of met with the opposite. That it was, like, way more feminine. And I got way more compliments. And I felt way more connected to who I am. Like, with it. And, like, obviously, you know, I had, it, it was a little rough at one point. Just trying to let the curls come back. But it almost just felt like, holy shit, why didn't I do this like five years ago? You know, I was like, why was I so against my curly hair for so long? When I cut it all off and then came back to it. And then when people were like, oh my God, it looks like you. I was like, it does look like me. (laughs) It is me. Just a more authentic version of myself. I mean, I think it's inevitable too. Like, I think when you feel just more yourself, you're just like more a magnet for, it can really exude, like others feel that, you know? Oh, totally. But um, let's talk about the, like the fetish in, in like your community. And, and, and I feel for transgender community, you know, like it's heightened, you know, the, the, the fetish part. Do you, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, talk to us about that. Yeah, so I mean, I think like just for like the, the best spectrum of it, you know, going back to when I was was younger, I had no male attention through high school. And when I did start to transition, I got a little more attention than I ever had before. So I, I would I'd jump on it, right? Because I was like, oh, yes, like men love me now. Within that kind of mindset, I kind of created this anti-no mode where I would sell myself short on a lot of men that would, you know, approach me to the point that I don't feel it honest saying that it was like abusive, but I definitely felt used near the end, that it was no longer about me. It was about my body and my look and it was hurting my feelings because I feel like I'm great and I feel like a lot of well I was gonna say men but I'm gonna say people a lot of people are very fluid in their sexuality and could be blissfully unaware of it because that's not how we were brought up and a lot of men still slump themselves in the category of it being you know too gay to be with a trans person or being with a trans person is gay. And I think that's why there's so many deaths in, in like trans women murdered almost every week now. It's awful because they're being murdered by the men that are repressing their feelings of probably enjoying the company of trans women. And I feel that we look at such a biased view of sexual orientation that it's really 
not that biased and it can really flow kind of like energy like I'm primarily attracted to men but I have come across a few women in my life that I'm like do I have a a crush on her like do I like her and I think it's energy that we all kind of need to welcome in because without that nothing is ever going to change and I also think too is that a lot of women can be judgmental on men that are bisexual and that can stem from a lot of things but I feel like there's just so much judgment from from every aspect in the, the queer community but I feel like primarily it's just there's just a lot of discreet men that will message me and approach me and I would say 75% of them have partners. Do I engage anymore? Absolutely not. But I am also not proud of a lot of the actions that I've done to get attention that wasn't really healthy. That's why I wanted you on the show. Yeah. Uh, I, um... Happy Pride! Yeah. <laughs> Can you just define, like, sexually fluid? Like, is there a way even to, like, almost, like, define that? And I, I do, like... I totally, I really relate to like when you said energy, because in yoga, we talk about like Shiva and Shakti, you know, all the time it's, it's in us, you know, we both have the feminine and masculine inside us. So that really, you know, speaks to me in, in that dimension Um, and our, really our, you know, our mission really is to merge the the two so that it's like the perfect kind of amount of each for, 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 for us, you know, for each, yeah. each of us. Um, so in that way, that like really speaks to me. And I got to say, I meet you sometimes. I'm like, there's some women. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> and you say that as a joke, right? It's, stuff people say as a joke, like, oh my God, like if, you know, if I was a lesbian or if I, you know, if I was this, you know, and then, and then you gotta like, if I sit on it a bit longer, I'm like, uh, wait, am I like, (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's like a healthy thought to have. And then even like, you know, even if it was just in in your head and your fantasy, but it's fun to let yourself have that fantasy. You know, if I, oh, if I ever had the chance to, you know, take that woman out for a nice meal or to be with that woman, we'd have a great time. So define for for you, like define what sexually fluid like means. Like I think as someone who would like for the longest time who identified themselves as like a straight trans woman, I think for me, I, I had a really hard time. If I expect people to be open, I need to be open in the sense that I don't need to look for it, but I need to be open. Because I can't tell you how many times, like, I'll have a conversation going, it's flowing, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, they're gone forever. Or I've had a really incredible evening with someone, and I think that they just, they're not used to being so comfortable with themselves to explore things that they've desired, let's say, that they are then ashamed of it because they were too open. And so I think that if we allow ourselves to live in less constraint in our sexuality and welcome fluidity in and to kind of just like go with the flow. And if you're attracted to someone, male or female, should that be a deterring factor? Oh, well, I'm, I'm you know, I, I like men. So just because I'm attracted to that woman doesn't mean like that I can't do that. 
Like it's kind of that mentality of, of thinking that I feel like sexually, sec- being sexually fluid, I guess in some terms would be similar to being on the spectrum of pansexual, but more so just being open to the rhythm that sexuality is going to appear in your life. Yeah, staying open. It's beautiful what you said, you know, staying open to the, like the rhythm of, I love that. I've never thought about it that way. You know, the rhythm of sexuality, you know, in your life. And, uh, and that word that comes back to, you know, it's like just seeing how much we've suppressed, you know, in in our lives and in my work with women, like I see it, it just like, you know, that I, I love that you speak of, you know, it seems in your recovery, you know, to really nurture that inner child, like, that's been, that's been so vital, you know, for you. And I feel like, for me, one thing I work a lot with women is just to, to, to play, like to have fun. Isn't that silly? Like, we forgot. Well, I like, I totally re- relate, because I would say like 98% of the people that I would, you know, like, work with, in my job would be women. And I, I do feel like a lot of women don't like, why well, I don't want to say women, but a lot of people don't play enough and let themselves be silly. <laughs> like it's so cathartic when you actually let yourself be a bit wild and be a bit crazy. And like, you almost remember yourself there. You remember yourself as a, as a child, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. Okay. Let's be gear for a moment. And I, I want you to speak of, uh, because you just said your work, um, talk to us about like makeup and it's how it made its way in your life. And, um, and I also find it very serendipitous in a wee, like, like for me, makeup, it's like, you know, almost like helping others like find their beauty you know not just outer but really there's something more to make up for me like and maybe for you as well but um and I'm curious to know like is it your passions or, or do you have other passion like is it um like how yeah just all of that how did you like fall into it and uh what does it mean for you now oh makeup 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 I think I I've always loved like film like I would probably say film is probably one of my biggest passions like in life I could talk about movies all day I'm not even gonna elaborate because you won't get me to stop talking about them so when I was finishing school I kind of knew that I wanted to go you know into film and then I was kind of nervous because I was like well it's not a really it's not a great guarantee job this and that I could do hair and then I was like you know what I should do makeup like I'm enjoying makeup because it's helping me express my identity I remember having an amazing experience at Mac when I would have been like newly transitioned and I was like I want to make everyone that I help at work feel like how I did then so I kind of pursued makeup from there and like my relationship with makeup is so different than than how it all started it's hard to sometimes sell makeup <laughs> in, <laughs> in a way that I'm like, is this healthy? <laughs> to a sense that, <laughs> that for me, like, I love it. I love the, the trend of makeup and the application of makeup and making people feel better. But I also feel that I'm at a point now where I'm like, 
makeup is only there to make you, you know, feel better. If you feel like you like need it because of X, Y, and Z, or you're so gung-ho about kind of covering something up or this and that, that I'm kind of like, we need to embrace that part of ourselves. So we don't feel like we need to like smack like a, a mask on it. Mm-hmm. And that like the, especially like, you know, being a woman, it's like, we need to look representable. Like, you know, we need our, we can't have dark circles. We can't look flat. Like we can't look too flushed. We need, we can't look too overdone. Like we need, Oh God forbid, like our, you know, liquid liner smears that it's there's a lot of pressure behind it and I feel like that's especially what was really prominent with me during the pandemic is how good it felt to take that pressure away and that it's a beautiful tool like I did my makeup like a full glam for the first time since COVID a couple of months ago and I was surprised at how good it made me feel and also relieved to know that I didn't f- feel forced to do that every day again. It's so powerful what you say. Uh, I mean, I'm just so moved by it, you know. Um, I mean, we were making jokes, like, about it, you know, like, all the men. <laughs> remember when, like, last year, like, let's say, like, when everything shut down, you know, and, like, everybody, like, <laughs> we're like, oh, all those extra girls, you know, like, yeah. like, but we were making jokes about it, you know, like, oh, like, you don't, you won't have your nails, you'll have your, like, regrowth, you know, your white, everybody white hair and this and that. But like, think of the, like, you know, like, you've, you've had a bit of an existential crisis over it, you know, like, it was, yeah. um, and like, I, th- I, that's something I think about with my white hair all the time. Like, you know, um, like, do I learn to embrace it or, cause it's a choice really to dye your hair again, uh, you know, <laughs> back to hair, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like just the choice and like, yeah, I'm okay without nails, but I like, am I really okay? Like, who do I wear my nails for and this and that? And like, I just love what you said, like, you, you have that choice to do yourself up and then to also know, like, I can expand my energy elsewhere, you know, and, and I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay too. Like, I just love that choice, you know? Yeah. And I feel like as like anyone who presents feminine deserves that right. Deserves the right that if they don't really feel like doing that, then they shouldn't have to do that. And then I'm just curious and borderline nosy, but <laughs> <what's that? laughs> I'm curious to know, like, what do you hear the most at the makeup stand? Like you've done my makeup like several times. Um, like, what do you hear the most? Like, is it like, do you feel you have to pump up women a lot or do you like, even in yoga, I, I, I hear the stuff I hear sometimes. I'm just so saddened by it. Like what, what is that experience for you? Like, where do you find yourself in that? a lot of women they definitely don't pump themselves up as much as they should or liberate themselves as much as they should because I feel like so many people can come in with something in mind and their walls are so up that it's kind of like they can only go down the hallway but I'm kind of like you should look in this closet over here I think you'd love it (laughs) but they might not want to hear it right So I feel like, and that also comes from 
security. But I definitely feel like I do need to add a lot of enthusiasm and give women and men power back. Because I find especially it's not like I find makeup's not like cooking, right? That if you make a really bad or undercooked the chicken, no one's going to know but you because you're going to throw it out. But if you try really hard on your makeup and it doesn't look so good, you're probably going to get a lot of judgment from that, which isn't fair. So I feel like there is a level of hesitancy a lot with, with comfort, but I, I want to challenge people to get out of their comfort zones because that's how we're going to evolve. Cause we're going to be like, Oh, that didn't feel good. So I should do it like this next time. Or that felt really good. So I should try this too. There, there, it's so intimate too. And I think of what you do, you know, like, like touching the face and like, yeah. You it's t- really personal. Uh, like it's on their face. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that's like, it's literally like painting a mask on yourself in reality, right? Like it's art, but it is a form of expression. And what if you don't, you know, people want to be expressed sometimes a certain way. Do you have other passions? Oh, well, I, I, I really love like spirituality <laughs> and kind of just like grounding ourselves within that same frequency of like nature. I, I really love that. I love photography. I recently started taking photos with a 35 millimeter that I've been meaning to take for years. And I finally started doing that. And it's, I think the first project that I've done in a long time that I'm, I'm doing it and I'm getting it back and it's even better than what I thought it would be. And that feels really good because I am trying to call as much power to myself as I can. So that reward right now is extra nice for me. And like, as far as my other passions, like, I mean, I'm going to be basic, but I love spirit dancing. I love putting on like a tune if it's something super slow and ambient to something really loud and dirty and just letting my body move however it wants to move. If it's thrusting on the floor to wiggling my arms in the air, I felt that's something that is like beyond helped me kind of get back into my body, especially during this um, evolutional period in my life. When I think I couldn't love you more, then there's that. <laughs> I, I love, what, what did you say again? Like thrusting on the floor? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like thrusting on the floor? Like sometimes you can move your body and it can feel like you're a ballerina. And then other times you feel like you're, you want to be in an R&B music video with a thong on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, oh, so many great options there that you've suggested to ground yourself and embody uh, your powers. I love it, Brandy. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I, I want to. I have like a, lo- a little like quick answers um, question, but before like I like just I'm just trying to imagine who's listening to us and. If there was like anyone listening, that's like, um, and I I don't know if I want to use that word now, but like transitioning or like what like is there any advice like any 
you know, and he's somebody that's like feels really lost about their identity right now and and kind of caught in, you kind of mentioned like kind of self-arm and, you know, like just maybe arm in general or just in it, like, is there anything that, yeah, you just suggest or, yeah. Like, I definitely think patience is a virtue. And you will need to embrace it, not only for yourself, but for society. Because sometimes we don't want to be educators, and we end up having to educate. And so I feel like you need to come to acceptance with yourself that that will come up. And that you also need to explore your depths. And there's nothing wrong with baby steps. It's like makeup, right? (laughs) The softer you build it, the better it is. And I feel like that could be said to anyone going through a period in their life where they feel like they need to make a change, that it doesn't need to be 180. It can be really, really slow. And it's a beautiful way to test your boundaries of how far you're comfortable with pushing yourself and how far you're not. Because only you can decide that. Like as a woman, as a man, as someone fluid, as someone non-conforming, that it's it's only up to you to, you know, build yourself how you'd like to be. So take your time and be nice to yourself. Because, girl, what you're doing is so important that you need to be forgiving. So beautiful. I want to, I'm, like, I'm like frantically taking notes as you speak. Yeah. I'm, gonna freaking, I'm gonna freaking have to transcribe this podcast. It's so good. Um, uh, yeah, I love what you said about the makeup. Can you repeat it? The softness you build. Oh well, I just said like it's like makeup, right? It's, everything is everything in our society now is instant, right? We want it quick. We want it now. We order it. We get it tomorrow. And I feel like that's like the biggest thing I tell people is probably the biggest tip I say to people with makeup is when you build it slow, it's always going to look better. And I feel like that kind of goes for life, right? If you start building yourself up slowly, before you know it, you're going to be like 18 stories up. And then you're going to look down and be like, holy shit, like how far I've come. Oh my God, totally. And it's so true. Like my concealer, like if I just take the time to kind of just rub it in a little and like give myself a lymphatic drainage at the same time. Yeah. And then it's like, it looks so much better and it stays longer. (laughs) It does, right? And then it's kind of, it's like you're creating like a ritual with yourself. Like that's kind of whenever I apply makeup now, I kind of look at it as like, it's like a ritual. Such a ritual, such a ritual for sure. Uh, we have this joke in my woman's circle, uh, the girls I do yoga with too. It's that new kids on the block song. Uh, I think you're 30. I think you, do you know the new kids on the block? Like ish, 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 ish. Yeah, my age might come out here. You know that song, Step by Step. Yes, 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 I do. The girls are like, oh, and you're like overwhelmed. Blah, blah, blah. Just start singing that song step by step. <laughs> Anywho, but I love the makeup analogy for sure. Build it slow. I love it. Maybe the title of our podcast, who knows? Who knows? There's oh, it's a good one, girl. It's a good one. Get your bricks ready. 
Yeah. <laughs> so many golden nuggets. Okay. I have a little like quick answer question things. Are you ready? Yes. Do you have a favorite mantra? Show me how it gets better. Oh, good. That's a good one. Wow. <laughs> how about a favorite flower? Wisteria. Ooh, I've never heard this one on the show. It's um, kind of a, a vine, but it's, I think it's a flower too. Ooh. What about a favorite book you've read? Um, but let's keep it like, how about a favorite book you've read? Like maybe recently, you know, about maybe about identity. You say you love spirituality and all that. Um, so is there one book you could recommend us for like things we've talked about today? Yeah, uh, one book I'm reading that I've read recently that was really mind-blowing to me was, it's called Good Sex. And the whole book is about how to not disassociate and how to bring your spiritual life kind of into all aspects of your life, including your sexuality. And it gives you like a lot of tools and techniques to kind of align yourself with your true identity. But what I like about it is that where it is kind of, you know, followed by sex, I find it's a little funner to read about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it kind of keeps the, the, the pacing of the book. It was really amazing. And I think anyone who's feeling disconnected from themselves um, physically, sexually should totally check it out. Uh, sweet. We'll have to put it in the show notes. Do you know the author? Oh, this is going to be so embarrassing. I oh, do oh, not. I, I feel okay. like I'll say her name wrong. <laughs> but it's called, uh, I forget all the time. It's, it's called Good Sex. It's called Good Sex. And I think it's like sex without disassociating. Oh, that's so good because dissociation yeah. is so huge. So huge dissociation. Well, we just do it so much now without even noticing it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, I'll have to have you on the podcast again to talk about dissociation. Oh, <laughs> let's go, girl. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, are you, do you listen to podcasts? Are you, do you have a favorite podcast? Like very casually, I think my favorite is video rental. <laughs> it's just a collect- collection of like, kind of like real spooky little stories, <laughs> but it keeps me pretty entertained in traffic. Sweet. I've never, I love hearing podcast I've never heard of sweet um how about a favorite treat I mean it can be food but it doesn't have to be I love a willow tree oh I love that (laughs) (laughs) I love a weeping willow (laughs) are there whipping willows in Bedford I uh, know, unfortunately not, but I can dream. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so just to kind of wrap it up here, I mean, first, I just, I just want to thank you for sharing so vulnerably and openly and just, uh, there's so many stories, like they just, uh, I just, I'm going to have to re-listen to this podcast again, because uh, it was just so I just appreciate you so much and your voice. And and we've talked about like this, and I love it's been so recent for you, this kind of real shift, you know, like real kind of crossover almost. Um, and you talked to us, you know, really about your magic. But I, my last question that I've been asking lately on the show is like, what do you wish, 
I said women, and doesn't have to just be women, but what do you wish more women knew about their their own power and their own magic? Ooh, I think the, the biggest thing is to embrace your empathy and listen to your intuition. And from there, that magic just slowly starts ringing in because you're literally just listening to your soul and what your soul wants you to know. And if you feel like you're having thought patterns that aren't the best, then that empathy is also going to come back to help you. You should see my notebook now. It's full. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I had you. It was so, it felt really luxurious to have you then more than like a little 10 minutes at the mall and to just. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm so grateful to, uh, to have done this with you. Yay. And uh, where can we find you, Brandy? And how can we support you? Oh, well, you can find me on Instagram at Elusive Brandine. <laughs> and uh, for supporting me, I would love for everyone to just to, to take a little bit of judgment away. And we can work as that as a collective because I feel like right now I'm feeling very, very, very supported. And I want more support to go back into not just my community, but every community. So I feel like we just need to kind of call back some of our judgment that happens naturally and make it better. Oh, well said. Well said. Thanks again so much. Well, oh, thank you so much for having me as well. I just want to talk to you all afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll have you back. Um, thank you again so much. Bye. Oh, no problem. Bye. This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.